Well, hey there, preachers, and today we are going to talk through week number two in our series called The Good Place. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, just death in general. This week, we're going to talk about hell. Next week, we talk about heaven. And then in week four, we talk a little bit more about heaven. So I'm on with uh, with Chris Duran and Ross Anderson. Chris, you took the lead on this message. First of all, congratulations that you drew the short straw on this one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that worked out, but I um, was happy to do it. Everybody loves to talk about hell, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, this is, yeah, this is going to be a little, a little uh, again, depending on the church and, and kind of how you preach, um, this is one that I think we should give a lot of thought to. Uh, first of all, I think one of the things I'm going to say at the outset is that Jesus talked about hell quite a bit. Mm-hmm. In fact, that Jesus talked mm-hmm. about hell a lot more than than most of most of our churches do. So that's going to be my disclaimer um, at the beginning to hopefully get people to pay attention, not to think I'm just a hellfire and brimstone preacher. Um, yeah. And uh, and so I'm going to frame it like that. I don't know, Chris, for you, if that's going to be something you'll do as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously when we're teaching, right, we want to teach um, biblical truth. And, you know, the, the reality is that Jesus does talk about hell. And so really framing it in the, the idea that if we want to grow, obviously, in our faith and understanding who God is and, and knowing more about Him, we need to teach God's Word. And so this is something that he clearly talks about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that's important to, to bring attention to that for sure. Ross, before we yeah, get Yeah, and in... I, think, I think the tone, uh, let me just say, I think the tone of how we approach it, mm-hmm. too, makes a big difference. Nobody, you know, uh, none of us take delight in the idea. We take delight in the idea of God's justice, but not in the fact, or the, the idea that any person, um, you know, suffers because of their sin. Right. So there's not a like a triumphalist tone mm-hmm. in how we present this. Yeah, and Ross. Maybe, yeah, absolutely. Maybe before we get into the points in this sermon, and Chris unpacks those for us, maybe you could just give a little context to people about. Um, kind of what culture thinks about hell now, and uh, maybe even from the vantage point of, um, Ross, some recent Christians, some books that have been written about it. I think that it's kind of, it's kind of become a little bit of a controversial issue, not even, not even with seekers, but even, even among the Christian community. Is that true? Right. That, that's true, because it's a hard thing to, mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to come to grips with emotionally. Yeah. The idea that uh, that people are lost, you know, lost forever, that they're under God's condemnation. And so, yeah, there have there have been some books published that uh, argue from the point of view of God's love to say, if God is a loving God, then you know He wouldn't treat people this way. God is not cruel. God is not um, mean spirited. And that's what hell seems like uh, to to a lot of people. And so. Yeah, and so we, it, it, the culture, the whole culture, um, you know, it just doesn't seem to people like this ought to be uh, the case. Um, surprisingly, there are a lot who are who are absolutely convinced that there is a hell, and that's in the in the in Chris's notes. He's he's drawn that out. Fifty um, percent. That seems like a high number uh, mm. to me from people that I've interacted with. Um, but but p- people like the idea of hell if it's for that, for Stalin or mm. you know uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or something like that. But people don't like to think about hell for their mom mm. or mm-hmm. you know their kids. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I think it is. It's one of those 
well, it could be tricky. It could, I think it could trigger some post-sermon conversations. So preachers be ready mm-hmm. for that and be, be ready to answer questions that um, maybe it would have come up in the minds of people that you didn't even address in your sermon. Uh, I, I know that I'm going to be ready for that. I'm going to just tell them to go talk to, to Chris because it's his sermon, not mine. <laughs> right. That's going to be my solution. Um, okay, so Chris, why don't you talk us, let me just read through the main points. Number one, hell exists for a reason. Number two, hell is worse than we, say, than we think. And number three, God doesn't want anyone going to hell. So we see the trajectory of it. Um, really, it's uh, you're, we're trying to be biblically um, appropriate and accurate with it, but we're also trying to um, express the heart of God. Yeah, yeah. So what I really wanted to, to try to do was to, you know, kind of highlight, similar to what Ross was saying, that um, as difficult as the topic is, you know, with, without God, you know, being just and righteous, uh, in his dealing with sin, uh, you know, God is a holy God. It's impossible for God to be holy without him being just, right? And so this idea of sin separating us mm-hmm. from God, um, and, and really hell exists for God to deal righteously for those who are, you know, dead in their sin and maybe have rejected Christ and his sacrifice for them. So um, really the first mm-hmm. point is to say there's a reason why hell exists. You know, it's not that God would just say, hey, we want to punish, punish certain people, you know, God, God, hell exists for God to deal righteously and justly with people who reject Christ. So this first point, you know, there's really that kind of that first layer and the Bible talks about this pretty plainly. Um, I brought in the text, second Thessalonians, um, chapter one, verses eight through nine, where it says bringing, you know, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. It says uh, in verse 9, they will be punished with everlasting destruction. They will be shut off in the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. And so, you know, really hell exists for people who haven't responded to, you know, God's love in, in his son and, and his sacrifice who have decided really to live in their sin. Um, so that's kind of the, the first part of that. And then the second part is, quite frankly, you know, hell exists. The Bible talks about this in, in multiple places where God is going to deal righteously with Satan and, and the demons and evil. And so um, there will be a time where God will, you know, defeat Satan for forever. And so hell will be the place where, you know, God will, will send Satan and the demons. And so it, it exists for that justice as well. Now, I could just, I'm, I'm going through this in my mind, you know, as preachers are preaching this, Ross, you, you again, you mentioned tone. Uh, for you, Ross, how are, what's the tone? Because we also don't want to minimize it so much that it loses its impact. Um, right. But a sermon like this, I like to think about my kids. Um, and mm-hmm. I think about how they would receive it because they were, they've been, they've grown up in a culture that just doesn't, ever talk about it's almost like we 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 make fun of it you know satan's this funny guy in a red suit with horns you know and we laugh at him and um what's the tone you're going to use ross when you preach this first point well there's this certain seriousness um you know so there's a sense that look look we wicked evil exists it exists everywhere it exists in our own hearts and and so we all care that 
we all hope God deals with evil, right? When it's somebody who hurt us. So we really, you know, so there's a serious sense that, you know what, then, then it's almost like talking to your kids, you know, don't do something that's going to get you sent to jail, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause jail is a serious thing and you're going to ruin your life. Well, this is the, this is the parallel on a much larger scale. So you want to take it seriously. Yeah, I know one of the things you do, Ross, when you preach is you like to think what do people need to know. And, um, and mm-hmm. to me, I think this is just, this is a tricky one because I, I think it just, it's almost like the punishment, well, and maybe we get to this in the next point, Chris, but it's like the punishment doesn't fit the crime, right, Chris, that you're saying, you're saying that hell exists to deal with, to deal righteously with people who reject Jesus. And I could just, mm-hmm. I would imagine the modern, you know, uh, listener is going to say, okay, so I, I didn't accept Jesus. So you send me to hell for eternity? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, I think that, that that's it's difficult, right? There mm-hmm. are things that we, we see in the Bible and we teach about that are difficult, you know? And it, I think that sometimes, um, you know, when we, when we preach from, from the text, we, we understand that it's not going to be easy, but we have to remain true to what God says. Mm-hmm. And so part of me kind of feels like, you know, I, I think when we speak truth, that the spirit hopefully is, is convicting and he's working in our, in our listeners and, and things of that nature. Um, and so in a way of being confident in what the word of God says, but also understanding that there are people out there that are going to be questioning this. And I think as we get through into other parts of the sermon, it will kind of help support this first point. You know what I mean? I, I think it'll it'll grow into that. But this is just saying, look, for those of you who are saying, well, why does hell exist? Well, the Bible says this is why hell exists, mm-hmm. you know, and then we kind of we, we break into it, you, you know, and kind of build upon that in Luke chapter 16 and the next point where we talk about how Jesus teaches the story of hell to where we can kind of unpack it a little bit more. Yeah, so let's go to that point. So the second point then is hell is worse than we think. And and I think the the idea is um, a lot of people have this sense, you know, this cartoon image of hell that it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's all the people who, you know, just didn't quite make the cut and but so they're but they're partying. You know, they're partying with Satan, they're partying with each other. Um, and I think that's what part of what we're saying is it's it's not like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in I think... our culture, yeah. I mean, in our culture, we imagine um, what's the worst annoying thing you can think of and extrapolate that to hell. I mean, that really, that's kind of, uh, that, that really minimizes the seriousness of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think I think at times, you know, in our culture and a lot of people, um, we, we minimize the gravity of hell because we really actually have no idea what it's going to be like, you know, like, there, there. We have this thought about how how it could be. You know, it's going to be oh, just this place where people are going to go, and and it's it can't possibly be that bad, right? But in reality, Jesus paints a very clear picture that it is going to be really bad. You know, he he really he doesn't sugarcoat it. It's it's not going to be what many people think, and so it's important because really the the idea of our entitled or our, our entire series title is, you know, 
uh, what we believe about eternity will determine how we live today, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. if we have yeah. this, if we have this idea of, you know, oh, hell's just going to be this place where we're going to go after we die and we're going to be separated from a god, okay? Um, so if we believe that way, then we're going to live, eat, drink, and be merry, right? Well, that's Jesus gives us a clear indication of what's going to be like, and that should impact how we live today. Um, yeah, I, I hope that makes sense. But that's that's kind of where we were going with with this point. Yeah, and you're in the story you use here is Luke 16, right? So you're you're using this. I don't know if you'd call it a parable almost, but Jesus is clear. Mm-hmm. He's clearly trying to say something in this parable, and I think what he's doing is he's trying to say that hell is worse than we think, because you, you're talking yeah. about this rich guy and Lazarus. Walk us through how you're going to unpack that. Yeah, so uh, I think what's really great about this story is it's, you know, Jesus was a great storyteller, right? And so he tells this story, I think, to engage people. Um, and so when I when I was putting this together, I'm thinking, okay, hell is going to be a difficult topic, but how can we utilize the story and the teaching of Jesus to make this not only interesting, but impactful for our listeners, right? And so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, um, you know, kind of taking section by section and really kind of unpacking the story. Um, so we have this idea of a rich guy and a poor guy, and, and Jesus is talking about these two guys. Now, there's some really rich kind of details in there um, that we've added into this point about, um, you know, the, the, the rich man being rich, what that meant, and, and Lazarus was very poor, and, 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 and here he is in this scenario and he's begging for food. I mean, the, the main point is clear that the rich man and, and his associates did nothing to help the beggar, you know, beyond maybe possibly throwing him some scraps or some food. And so we go on to see that, that these two, these two guys die and they, they go to separate, separate places. So you have Lazarus, um, you know, this, this poor beggar to paradise. And then you see this rich man on the other side, which is, Hades, you know, it's this, this awful place. And so he, he is aware, very aware of where he is, that he sees Lazarus over on the other side and he is in torment. You know, the, it, the story goes on to say that, um, that he is in anguish and there's this suffering. And, um, you know, our culture would say, well, if I'm going to hell, at least there's going to be company there. There's going to be people. I'll have my buddies, you know, but that's not at all what this picture points to it, it it shows us that there's separation and there is pain and anguish and agony and it's complete isolation and not only isolation from other people but from god and so that in its own sense is like what a difficult thing is that you're going to be in hell and knowing that you had the opportunity to know god but now you don't and so that along with hell you know hell and fire and torment it's going to be a, a, a awful, terrible place, much more than the Far Side comic would would show us, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so that's how I'm going to try to unpack the story a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. This is great. Okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of meat in that story, uh, but the, really, we're looking at a big part of this is the emotional impact of it, as mm-hmm. well as the mm-hmm. as well as the details. Yeah, I think for what I'm going to try to pull out of this specifically, this story is that. Um, you know, this rich man, while he was in this suffering, while he was in this place, he was fully conscious and aware of, of what was going on. He was aware of the pain uh, and beyond the physical pain. It was the regret that he couldn't go back and change what was going to happen. This was real. 
it was eternal. Um, and this, you know, eternal destiny was, it was fixed. There was nothing that he could do to change it. So th- there's going to be an awareness of this. And really, I think what's interesting here is that, uh, you know, he complained about the pain, but he never complained about the injustice. Mm. He knew, he knew it was fair. He didn't Great say point. this isn't fair. This isn't fair. Nobody told me. He complained about the pain, but he never complained about the injustice because I think there's going to be from the story an awareness. People will know the the righteousness and justice of God, and they missed out on that opportunity. And that in itself is going to be a difficult thing to live with for eternity. And then you throw in, you know, all of the suffering, the, the isolation, the the fire, the torment. That just makes it that much worse. Yeah, so I like that you've got these three sub-points. Let me go over those again, because it's still under this this second point, that in this story, he was fully conscious and aware. Number two, his eternal destiny was fixed, right? He, yeah. Jesus didn't let him out. And then number three, he knew that his suffering was fair. And I think that's good. It's good to draw those out in this story. And again, I can just imagine as we're preaching this, people are sitting there you know, hopefully the Holy, I think, I think every preacher has to realize that the Holy Spirit is going to have to convict hearts. Um, and so we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit does his work. We, you know, we, again, we don't want fear-based religion, or we don't want just a bunch of converts to get a, you know, get out of hell free pass. We want the Spirit to do his work, to, to really move someone to, kind of to your first point, Chris, to say, like, I don't want to reject Jesus. I don't want to, um, like, I want him to, I want to be aware of my sins now, not not just later. Because I think that's kind of the crux of the issue is, is when do you have this full, it's like Lazarus has this full awareness, not just that he's in hell and tormented, but he has this full awareness of his sins, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. this every someday every knee will bow, bow every tongue will confess and that i think the point of the sermon is get is to get people to come to that awareness before they die mm-hmm. you know and and accept this free offer of salvation of from jesus before it's too late and that and that really kind of transitions into the last point which is i think is is a really hopeful point it's still truthful um, but mm-hmm. I think it. I like that we we end with this, Chris, because you say that God doesn't want anyone going to hell, lest you have the wrong idea about God, like He just can't wait to punish you. Yeah, and I think this really gets to, you know, in the in the first, I'd say, you know, three quarters of this message, it, it's going to be difficult, and I think we need to be really, really um, com- careful in how we, you know, present it, like you said, and. But I think that this really gets to the heart of the message, that, that God loves us so much that he, he truly doesn't want anyone going to hell. And, and if you think about it, many of the culture or the people that are in, in our audiences might say, well, I don't know if I want to believe in a God like this, a God who could send, like you said, my, my mom or my kids or someone to hell. Um, and I think this is a really a, a breakdown of where we are as a culture and even as a society, um, because God doesn't send good people to hell, right? We have to understand inherently by nature, we're not good people. You know, we're bent towards sin and sin is in our nature. And we have to recognize that God is holy and he is just and, and his love 
that equals his justice. And so he can't be holy without being just um, to, you know, our sin. But God, he's also love, right? And mm-hmm. love is who he is, and he loves us so much, and he's filled with that love that he would do everything in his power to not send, you know, or he doesn't want people to go to hell. Um, and I think, you know, we bring in some scripture here that, that really kind of highlights how God is loving and caring and that he went to great length. He sent his only son, you know, John three sixteen for us to, to sacrifice his life for us so that we could overcome hell and be able to spend eternity with Jesus or with Jesus and God. I mean, I think that's, that's huge. Yeah. And I think you get to the crux of the issue. I don't think this would be hard to preach if people were aware that, that they're, that they're sinful, right? Like you said, God doesn't send good people to hell. I think that the problem is that we, we think we're better than we are, mm-hmm. you know? And so w- when we judge God for his justice, um, it's because we're unwilling to judge ourselves for our, you know, unrighteousness. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think, I think underlying this whole message and people's objection to hell is the fact that in our culture today, there's just very, very little sense of sinfulness, mm. you know, that, that we just don't, we don't deserve it. You know, how can I deserve, you know, well, just because we think we're basically pretty good people. So I think leading with this in this point about, about the um, issue of sin and the, and the issue of good people, that's uh, really helpful at this point. Yeah, and let me read some of from your notes here, Chris. Let me just read some of the scripture you'll use. And again, any preachers out there, you can find this uh, in Chris's manuscript online. Second Peter three nine: The Lord isn't being slow about His promise, but He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to perish, so He's giving more time for everyone to repent. You know, so that's talking about His promise to return someday. He wants to give us more time to repent. That's First Timothy two three. This is good and pleases God our Savior, for He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. John three sixteen. You already mentioned, and then Romans three twenty five and twenty six. God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. And so I think that's good because, in Chris, is this how you're going to sort of land the plane and end this point? Is to kind of come to the gospel with that verse in mind, Romans three twenty five, that. This, this wrath of God that is, that is rightfully pointed at us because of our sin, Jesus took care of that, and, uh, and he went to the cross and he died for us so that we don't have to experience that, that, that righteous punishment that should, that should be sort of leveled against us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, a testimony to, uh, to God's love for us, right? He, he said, something that was very precious to him and and he sent him here so that we could escape the punishment of hell right he gives the opportunity for every person to experience his forgiveness uh and and so you know the bible says that listen this is up to us to accept this offer of salvation by putting our faith in jesus and if we don't do that then the result of that is eternal separation from him but if we do if we put our faith in Jesus, the one who was punished in our place, then we get to spend eternity in God's presence, and there will be nothing greater. So the, the opposite of that, which we'll talk about in week three, is now this idea of this 
you know, eternity in God's presence, right, which we'll talk about. But, you know, God, this is the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is, is that God loves us so much that he would do whatever it, it takes so that we would be in a relationship with him, right, and that we wouldn't spend eternity separated from him. So I think that's a great way to, to end the message and to really speak hope, because that's what it is. The gospel is hope, right, and it draws us to God. So, Yeah, so will you give an opportunity to respond then at the end? Are you going to um, invite people to, you know, to pray a prayer? How are you in, imagining ending this one, Chris? Yeah, so in our in our context, the way uh, we do things, our, our culture is a little bit different. But um, what we'll do is, you know, we'll give, we always want to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. So usually we'll have pastors and leaders up front that we'll kind of call them to, to say, hey, if, if you want to take the opportunity to, to act on this today, you know, we would love to communicate with you after the service or you know maybe it's more comfortable for that person who is you know you know thinking about it to say hey come with the friend who brought you maybe you can have that conversation with them so giving them the opportunity to to respond um you know you might feel more comfortable in in your setting or your context to to give people the opportunity to respond to the gospel there and maybe pray the prayer with them you know the prayer of salvation and and the forgiveness of their sins. It just really kind of depends on what is comfortable for you in your context, I believe. Yeah, that's good. You know, we, we neglected to talk about how you're going to open the sermon. Um, let's just, before we get done here with this conversation, let's talk about that. Chris, are you going to, um, you, you know, are you going to sort of ease your way into the topic? Are you going to try to stay light at the beginning because it's not going to be light through those first two points? Or how are you going to start this sermon off? How are you going to grab people's attention and keep them involved? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, what I'm going to do is to say, listen, if we're honest, it's just not an easy subject or a fun subject to talk about, right? You know, and as a pastor, it's not easy for me to stand up here and talk about eternal punishment either, right? But if, you know, if if you stick around, you know, you're going to see the the truth. You're going to see, you know, not, not something that I would sit up here and, and push on you, but this is what the God's Word tells us. Um, and so I'm, I'm really going to, the hook really is to say, you know, according to research, like Roth had mentioned earlier, 50% of Americans believe in hell, um, but uh, uh, there's certain that, that don't. You know, the more religious you are, the less you worry about going to hell. Um, there are those who aren't religious at all because they just don't believe there's a place. But, but among the other part of the, the large chunk of people, a lot of people are scared about about what will happen. You know, they, they may not believe in hell, but they may believe that something's going to happen. So really just saying, look, we all have an idea of what's going to happen, um, but let's get to the truth. Let's get to God's word because his word is truth, and that will open up. Um, you know, the the discussion, if you will. Right. And I, I think I, I had talked to someone recently just asking these questions. So I think I'm going to surface at the very beginning the idea that, hey, you know, you guys are you guys are asking our pastoral staff these kind of questions frequently. So we're just going to we're not here to like shove this negative message down your throat. We're here because we know you have questions about this and we know you want to know what the Bible says about this. And so we're going to just go ahead and address it uh, right up front. Yeah, and I think I would also add to that, you know, especially if you have uh, students or kids in the audience, um, I would just add to that, hey, parents, you should definitely 
talk about this because you're going to your kids are going to have more questions even after this 30 minute sermon and remember mm -hmm. parents you're the pastors at home um, so what we're talking about here let's think of it as a primer for the conversation that you're going to have with your kids and make sure that they understand that they don't have to be afraid of this um, but that they should understand what God's word has to say about it and make sure that they've put their faith in Christ so that so they don't have to have that kind of fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it might be a good opportunity to also quote from the most famous sermon in American history, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. So maybe pull some excerpts out of there to say, <laughs> you know, this used to be a real thing, right? Like pe preachers used to really preach this. And, uh, and we don't do that very much anymore, but we are going to today. So lock the doors. Nobody's getting out. We're going to talk. <laughs> well, Chris, Ross, thank you. The sermon is called What You Need to Know About Hell. It's week two in our Good Place sermon series. You can find all of it at PursueGodNetwork.org in our sermon library there. Enjoy preaching about hell. <laughs>